Okay, so as I was editing this podcast, I just wanted to make sure that there was a little bit more clarity, that there is no blame and no shame being thrown out. I I, I don't blame my parents at all. I think, again, none of us escape childhood without some kind of wound, wounding. I happen to have a lot of mother wounds, and it's really no fault of hers. I Again, no blame, no shame. And I think I didn't harp on this quite as much as I could have, but society plays a giant role in this stuff. Like a lot of where her best intentions came from was from what society told her she should be doing. Um, hell, female, deep South, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure on you to, to be perfect and to show up in a certain way and to put that on your kids and have your kids show up in a certain way. And so again, I want you to just listen to my stories as a way to start to recognize where you have some wounding that could be undone so you can break, break the patterns, particularly if there's been patterns throughout generations in your family. And there's so many different ways that it can show up that the only way that I can think of to outside of if there's something that came up for you, if there's a memory that surfaced, or if you just were really resonating with something I said, then there's probably something there for you to dive into and try to uncover a little bit more, peel back the layers, particularly if you don't have a whole lot of childhood memories, you might have to go off based off a feeling. So like what's a memory or a feeling that you have where you were made to feel a certain way? about yourself. Maybe, maybe you were made to feel lesser than, or like you were never enough. Like what's that underlying story for you and what memories or feelings from growing up from childhood or adolescence, can you kind of come up for you with those? What meaning did you attach to it? And how did that change how you showed up from then on out? How does it maybe affect how you show up now? So those are the questions to kind of start to dive into. And if, again, if you don't really have specific memories, maybe focus on a feeling or maybe start reaching out to family members or someone that you feel safe enough to ask for your childhood or stories that they remember and maybe it'll trigger something. So definitely something to think about. And again, hope this resonated with you and I hope you find, you can use this as a catalyst for your own healing. So without further ado, let's dive on in. Welcome to Human on the Daily, the podcast for anyone wanting to break free of any boxes or expectations and embrace their full authentic self. I am Dr. Megan Daly and I have been there. I've overcome so much trauma, dealt with so many stressors like competing in high level athletics, rigorous academics, getting my doctor in physical therapy and I did what I should do, right? I climbed the corporate healthcare ladder and when that didn't make me feel fulfilled, I branched out and opened up my own cash clinic and built it to six figures in the second year. Yet I still felt like something was off when I looked in the mirror and maybe you can relate. So I scaled back and really dove into the questions of who am I really and what is it that I am meant to do? So together in this podcast, we are going to dive into all the tips, tools, and experiences for you to answer those same questions for yourself so you can live your best, most joyful and fulfilled life. Because if you're not doing that, then what the fuck are you really doing? So let's fucking go.
All right, so today we are gonna dive into a little bit of my story, but I do wanna start off by saying I lied a little bit in that first episode talking when I said we would go over one of the more pivotal moments in my life, which is when my dad passed. I started to record that and I realized there are certain things that didn't make sense without the backstory of like what trauma I had gone through and what I had dealt with prior to that. I feel like there are going to be a decent number of people that will resonate with certain traumas from my childhood. Hell, I was listening to a podcast earlier today from Lo. I'll tag her below. Really amazing creator. Definitely recommend following her. And her podcast way early on talks about her trauma. And one of them is she talks about having Nigerian parents and how hard they are and how it's never enough. Now, while I don't have a cultural thing backing like why my parents were the way that they were, they wanted what was best for me and what my parents saw as best for me was tough love and pushing me to be the best possible. As an adult, I can look back and kind of appreciate the intention behind it, but as a kid, it legitimately felt like it was never enough. Like, we're talking that I didn't hear the words, I'm proud of you, until I got into like my doctoral program, with the exception of one instance where I beat out another kid that was the son of a colleague that my mom wanted to kind of like, like just kind of be like, haha, too. Um, I, I beat him in a math competition in eighth grade. Like I heard, I'm proud of you then, and then I heard it when I got into my doctoral program, and that's really about. I also didn't really hear I love you that much, and it wasn't that I wasn't loved; it's that I wasn't loved in a way that made sense for me. Like now I know that one of my love top love languages is words of affirmation. My parents to this day, well, my mom, my dad obviously passed, but my parents, like that's just not their love language. It's just not like, it's one that my mom has no idea how to do. That paired with the concept of, well, if you're gonna do something, you have to be the best at it. So like when I picked up the flute, okay, cool. You have to be first chair, all state band. And these are things like I did, but then, like, once I got there, it was kind of like, well, of course you got there. Like, this is expected of. Made varsity soccer as a freshman. Well, of course you did. This is expected of you. Made all A's. Well, that's expected of you. This mentality of, no, you better be the best. And then once you are the best, there was zero. It was kind of like, uh, cool. Like, I expected you to do this. What do you want, a cookie? Was kind of the reaction that, as a kid, that wears on you. Like, I got to a point, and I remember this. I mean, it was probably, it was probably late middle school that I got to a point where I was just like, I... I literally cannot do enough. I am never going to be enough, so why even try? Now, my idea of not even trying is making the occasional B and giving up being first chair flute because the person that was sitting in second chair wanted it so much more than I did because it stopped being fun for me. So anyways, we don't need to dive way into that, but this just kind of gives you an idea of like, why I was a little bit more defiant of my parents and why I was so stubborn and why I'm still pretty damn stubborn. And then if we back way up, there are two childhood traumas that are a little bit bigger. I'll start with the one that happened in kindergarten that made me, or well, this is a little bit of an assumption. I am assuming that the initial trauma when I was a baby is why I don't remember a whole lot of my childhood. I think there's a part of me that protected me from then on and put a lot of walls up and so I don't remember a ton. So there's only flashes of this from kindergarten and then some stories from people who were around my mother and other people. In kindergarten, I was the kid that was hyperactive and running all over the place and I wasn't, like I didn't nap as a kid at all, ever, my poor mother. And that included nap time in kindergarten. And 
I would try to like wake someone up next to me to like play with me and entertain me and while it was nap time and naturally I would get in trouble and she'd pull me away from the rest of the kids. My, my kindergarten teacher would, she would pull me from the rest of the class, but it's how she approached it. I do, one of the things that I do remember is her like grabbing me and like shaking me like not aggressively, but shaking me and saying like, why can't you just be a good kid? I, I don't necessarily remember this specifically, but I do know apparently my nanny finally went up to my parents. Mind you, I was born while, my parents were both physicians. I was born while my mom was in residency. When I say a nanny raised me, I, I recognize that that's, sorry mom if you hear this, like I know that hurts, but they really didn't have a choice going through residency and then building up a private practice until I was seven. So the nanny finally tells my mom like, hey, the, the teacher's talking badly about Megan to other parents within earshot of her. I've, and I can only assume from what I've heard, it sounds like this was on a semi-regular basis before she finally came forward and told my mother. So I had all these stories then built up between from the kindergarten teacher and then my very well-intentioned parents pulled me out of that school, put me in a private school, but they never addressed it with me. They never actually, like, I don't remember any instance of them talking to me to kind of undo or deny the stories that were then being created in my head as a five-year-old by this teacher. So I now think that I am a bad kid. I can't be loved. I'm not enough. I'm too much at the same time. Like, I can't do enough, but also I am too much because what was getting me in trouble was my hyperactivity and my energy levels and my desire to connect with the people around me. Like those were the things that I was getting in trouble for. My parents pulled me and put me in another school that was a much, much better environment. I met someone who I am still good friends with to this day. Shout out to Jessica. But without actually addressing it with me as a child, those stories then kind of got confirmed in my head. Like, have you ever had that talk with someone where you're like, they're like, this is how I feel. Like, I feel like trash, da, da, da. And then they say nothing back to you. Your head immediately goes to like, well, that you just confirmed it then. Like, why, why aren't you saying anything? Why aren't you denying it? As a five-year-old, I didn't have the capacity to sit back and, and not make an assumption based off of their silence. That carried with me. Like, if you've read anything about how trauma works or how the stories build up and create some behavioral patterns in our lives. Like we can hold on to things. And then what we do throughout the rest of childhood is we look for confirmation that that story is true. So because I had this idea of I'm not enough, I am one, I'm, I can't do enough to please my parents. And then two, I am too much. I need to be quiet in order to be accepted. Those played out and I looked for the proof and found plenty of it throughout my childhood. And then I've talked to enough people to know that a lot, a lot of you can resonate with something in those stories. Now, this last one is a little bit more intense. I don't know exactly at what age, probably around 18 months. I have zero memory of this. Um, I've actually done some therapy work, highly, highly recommend therapy. I've done some therapy work to attempt to break through into any kind of childhood memories so far unsuccessfully. And I'm at a point now where I'm just trying to undo the stories versus really worrying about trying to get any kind of memory back. But this particular one I really have no memory of and there's really only so much confirmation so listen to this with the knowledge that it makes total sense but I don't have any actual full confirmation that it happened other than everything points towards yes and I didn't hear about this until I was closer to 27 I did I'm a doctor of physical therapy by trade 
and I did a, uh, an exchange of services with a life coach. I treated her husband for multiple sessions and then I got multiple sessions of life coaching. And she used, she's a trained psychologist turned life coach. And one of the homework exercises she gave me, I ended up having to call my mom and ask a couple questions about my childhood. And I don't, for the life of me, I cannot remember what question it was that brought this up. But I, I want to say it was something around speech. Like, when did I start talking? And my mom says, well, you started saying words at the appropriate age. But then you kind of got quiet. Like, you really didn't speak again until you could say a full sentence. And, and I could tell, like, she got, like, really kind of cagey and didn't want to speak. And I was like, Mom, what is it? Like, it couldn't have been that bad, right? I, maybe I just felt like I had something to say. She was like, oh, you definitely did. So your first sentence is something that I would have never expected. No, I can't remember exactly how she said this, so just kind of roll with me. Your first sentence. So Papa was the name of the father of your babysitter at that time when we were living in Kansas. That's what he went by. And I can guarantee, like my parents aren't that, well, okay, my dad cussed some, he was a naval sailor. But my mom, like they didn't cuss around me as a kid. So she was like, so there is no way you got this language from us. And the only thing that I can think as to why you would say this is because it was true and you were trying to tell us something. You said, Papa fucked me in my bum. That was literally your first sentence. And of course, I like that was the last thing that I was expecting. So I naturally asked her, like, well, well, did you do anything? Like, did you take me anywhere? She's like, yeah, I took you to a psychologist and, and asked her about it. And now, mind you, this was the late 80s. So unfortunately, at that time, there were a lot of practitioners that were still going off of the idea that if it happened under the age of three, it doesn't matter, it won't affect you at all. Now, we know that that's actually the most pivotal moments and will probably make the biggest impact possible because it's how it's how your mind shapes everything as far as like how it perceives everything else that happens to you and how you react to things and and anyway so she got the answer that she really wanted to have which was that this won't affect her it's totally fine go about your days so she never looked into it further never got me tested but she said this she was like but i will say it was interesting the stature of him he had a very like if you just imagine like big old farm boy kansas like with overalls on like decently solid picture of what this guy was like she was like you cringed away from every male of that stature your entire life she was like until i had one friend in high school named luke love the dude to death she's like that was the first time and i was really shocked that you became friends with him because he had that same stature and i was like I mean, that makes sense, actually. I, I remember feeling hesitant around him at first, but he's such a big freaking teddy bear. And he's like a brother to me that like, I kind of like moved past it. And I, I asked her, I was like, that didn't clue you in? Like the fact that I never, that I shied away, actively shied away from a man of that stature didn't clue you in. Like it was worth exploring further. I mean, I kind of got the shrug response of, again, I'm from a family in the deep South where you just sweep things un under the rug and hope they'll go away. I know that that one might be like, if anyone really does, like if that really truly is like, hey, I've had a similar experience and you want to reach out and chat like I'm here for you like we can go deep we can go dark I'm, I'm game or if you want to know any any resources it probably isn't a shocker to anyone hearing that story that I built up that paired with the stuff in kindergarten paired with looking for reaffirmation that I'm not enough that basically I have this giant underlying had have I'm 
it's something I'm actively working on, is that I am not worthy of love. Including, I didn't feel self-love until age, what was it, 32 when I did a psychedelic trip? Yeah, something like age 32 when I did a psychedelic trip. And that psychedelic trip had two purposes. One, to try to break through to childhood memories, and two, to actually feel self-love and try to crack that open in myself. It was able to do the latter. I was not able to go into childhood memories. But anyways, I say all of this because I know that there are going to be some people listening to this who resonate with a very deep-seated, likely trauma-driven difficulty with truly feeling self-love, self-worth, and self-trust. So know that you are not alone, but there are ways to get through it. I mean, hell, it is literally how to work actively work through that is infused into everything I create at this point. Again, it's not a replacement for therapy by any means. I I still go to a therapist regularly. I think it should be an adjunct. I apologize. There's probably a lot of background noise on this episode. Oh, and one that I didn't really touch on yet, but it's all the same things that I've already talked about, particularly with my parents being incredibly hard and like nothing was ever quite enough. Probably not a shocker. I didn't say this, but you might have already assumed that there are a lot of perfectionist tendencies. I will likely do future episodes talking about really how to break through some of these stories and patterns that had been developed there's any particular ones that you really want to hear about 100 shoot me a dm on instagram let me know but anyways because I, I kind of alluded to this already earlier like i was a very defiant stubborn kid i also had zero like i did not know what emotional regulation was and in fact here's the other what could be categorized as childhood trauma growing up so i am a pisces which tend to be if If you know anything about that, Pisces tend to be pretty emotional, hard on sleeve kind of people. I'm an Enneagram seven, so I tend to be a little bit more enthusiastic. This is all touch points, by the way. Like we could go way into that. In fact, we probably will on later episodes. And then, so there's everything about my personality that's supposed to just kind of stand out, be loud and be compassionate, hard on sleeve, emotional. And so growing up, I would try to express myself and I would be told to be quiet or to be professional or that you couldn't do that and be taken seriously as an adult. And I mean, I don't know at what age this started, but knowing my family was probably pretty damn young that that kind of mentality was being instilled in me. I know I for sure was told to be quiet like a lot as a kid, but I'm getting off the point. The point that I was going for with this piece is I was frequently called emotional. I was frequently called a wild child and not in a positive sense. So like some of the phrases that I would frequently hear from particularly my mother. And again, this is no harm, like no no shade on her because as an adult, I can see and rationalize and understand where she was coming from and know it was well-intentioned. But as a kid, it was very, it felt traumatizing and it felt stifled. So I was constantly being berated for, you're too emotional, you're too energetic. And then especially as a teenager, oh, well, Megan's just gonna do what Megan wants to do. Like it was this idea of like, well, Megan's selfish. Megan's just emotional and selfish. And it wasn't until college that I realized that I really had just a healthy, normal level of emotions. It just came off as super emotional in my family because no one else showed emotion. Everyone else was so much sweep it under the rug, ignore it, just stay strong, just put on a big, a hard face, don't let people see anything. That, or that we don't need to deal with that, we don't need to talk about it, it's okay that I didn't recognize that my level of emotion was normal until college. But at that point, here's the big issue is I never learned emotional regulation. So I built up very much like a, like everything was catastrophic to me. I did not know how to emotionally regulate and understand that like it was okay if like I couldn't find the jeans that I wanted to wear. Like that's how extreme this was. Like to the point where I lived with some of my best friends in college and they, by the end of the year, they were like, 
we, we can't, we can't handle this. Like we love you to death, but like your energy is a lot. And now there's nothing wrong with having a lot of energy. I still very much have that same level of energy. I just now have the tools and the emotional regulation to not be like hyper triggered all the time about anything to the point where it's just the react, you know, those people like the reaction that happens from the incident. You're like, Whoa, like that, those don't match at all. Like that was me constantly. And then on top of that, I think this is often paired together. I had a little bit of a victimization mentality somewhat. I didn't really realize it at the time. I didn't know what it was, but like all those patterns from my childhood of being the perfectionist, never enough, could never do the right thing. I had too much energy. I was too impulsive. Hell, we didn't even talk about like me getting anyways DHD getting sidetracked so there's all these things from my childhood where it's like I can look back and see even though I had a quote-unquote very privileged childhood like upper middle class physician parents white overall like from the outside looking in like I had a privileged good childhood there's nothing wrong there's nothing I should be complaining about and that's where I think a lot of people get kind of caught up in that is like oh well it could have been worse oh, well, really, I don't have anything to complain about. Like we look back and we recognize these patterns and we recognize these traumatic things that we've gone through and we can rationalize them. But what I want to leave you with other than like, I hope me being this vulnerable and open has helped you be feel a little bit more seen. But what I want to leave you with is you've got to go back and take care of those parts of yourself. So as an adult, we can look back and rationalize and understand things and be like, oh, like I said this a couple times, like, oh, they were just doing the best that they could, that they knew how they were. It was incredibly well-intentioned. Here's all the reasons. That's great. And that is incredible. On one hand, it's very important because it makes it like I've had really good conversations with my mother and we have a good relationship at this point. And I no longer think like growing up, I legitimately thought my parents hated me. Like, like we have no family videos because as a teenager, I wiped them all to record one of my favorite shows. And I remember this is one of the childhood memories that I actually do remember. I remember thinking like, oh, this is a video of me as a four year old. Well, they don't like me anyway. So there's no way they ever care about watching this again. So I might as well just record over it now. Once they realized what I had done, I got in some crazy big trouble. But at that point, I had already wiped all of them, which now I have to live with because as an adult, realizing that I didn't have any childhood memories, I went back and was like, hey, like, where are the childhood videos? I would love to watch them. And my mom was like, do you really not remember? And then that's when it like all came back to me. I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's on me. Um, Not a whole lot I can do about it now, except for I can take care of the parts of my inner child that have that wounding. And this sounds like for those of you who are very Western medical based, it sounds very woo woo, but it 100% works. There's a lot of evidence behind it. Talk to a therapist about the research behind it or look up the research behind it. But anyways, it is important that even no matter how much we can rationalize it as an adult, if we don't take care of the part of us that is still holding onto those stories that is still hurting, then we're going to keep repeating the patterns. There's probably going to be a couple different parts of you, a couple different moments. So like for me, it's going to be 18 month old me. It's going to be five year old me. And then it's going to be, I don't know the exact age, but somewhere around the 13 year old me. And then the 18 year old me, we'll dive into the 18 year old one. Um, I actually dealt with some being held up at gunpoint at age 18. And then later that same year dealt with being drugged and raped. So stuff that I haven't gone into yet, but like that would be the other age of mine that I had to go back and like really dig deep and be like, okay, and kind of address, like meet and address my younger self and be like, okay, what do you need? And 
meet her with compassion and f- like even talk to her, which again sounds really woo woo, but it works, y'all. Talk to her and figure out like, what do you need? What do you need to hear? Do you need a hug? Do we need to just dance for the hell of it? Like, what is it that you need and how can I give it to you? And do that with each one. If you don't take care of those parts of you, you are going to repeat the patterns and those stories are going to keep coming up. Now, this is a lifelong process. It's not like you do this once and they magically disappear. You can't undo decades of inner turmoil that quickly. I wish that'd be amazing. If anyone figures it out, you're going to be a billionaire. Please contact me. Let me know how to do it. But without some kind of like magic pill, it is going to take some work, but you can make leaps and bounds, particularly when you first start, you'll make giant leaps. And then like, as you start to notice things come back up, you'll be more equipped to revisit tactics and revisit tools and continue to do the work to undo all those stories because you are so deserving of self-love and that feeling of self-trust, because those are the things that really allow you to connect not only to yourself, but to other people to help people in the way that I know you really want to do. Like you can't serve without taking care of yourself first. That's going to be the constant theme throughout this podcast. If you have any questions about this, please don't hesitate to reach out. I would love to hear from you. If this struck a chord, if you resonated with anything, shoot me a DM and I'll talk to you next time. High five for taking some time out of your day for yourself to listen to this episode. It is my hope that it makes you feel more seen and heard and understood because we are all human and being human is messy and imperfect and beautiful and you are beautiful. So if this resonated, it would mean the world to me if you shared it on social along with your biggest takeaway and then tag me at move on the daily and hum- at human dot on the daily. Thank you so much and see you next time. Thank you.